This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, I welcome all of you. Bless you. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Your guests so honored to have you. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real, real high? I'd like for you to get the Bible in your hand today. And one of the reasons, I like that every week, but sometimes we've been taught things that are based more on the tradition of man than the Word of God. So we're going to give you the Word of God today. Again, if you need a Bible, get your hand up. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Now, we've been talking here about the Holy Spirit. Again, we shouldn't freak out to even hear the word Holy Spirit in the church. But you're going to get a uh, little more in depth on some things today. And so, again, I, I highlight this. Let, let the Bible teach you, okay? Let the Word of God teach you. The goal is to give you an understanding about some things. So we begin in Mark 16, verse 15. Now, this is the Great Commission. The Lord Jesus speaking, and he said to them, to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into the world and preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. Now, I highlight that, preach the gospel. He didn't say, give them some spiritual candy. He said, preach the word of God. So what's happening is we're getting further and further away from the word of God. We've got to stay with the word of God. And again, I highlight to every creature because every creature is important to God. So here's my thinking on this. I don't know if they were standing around a campfire. I don't know if they were at a table eating but I believe Jesus was looking his disciples in, his eye, in their eyes and he said, here's your assignment, fellas. Preach the gospel to every creature. Do you get it? I got it, Lord. I got it. Verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So again, the ultimate goal was here, you got to get them born again. You teach them the good news of Jesus Christ. You pray that they get born again. You pray they get water baptized. And oftentimes, if we're, if we're not careful, we stop right there. We just get them born again. We get them water baptized. You say, You're good to go. And so even on these lines right here, when Jesus says this to him, he said, you got to get them born again. You got to get them water baptized. Do you get it? We get it. And up to this point, the New Testament church is all in agreement with this part. Verse 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow believers. Now, what you're getting ready to see here is six days. In my name, they, believers, will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, as I read verses 17 and 18, get this real quick today. These weren't multiple choices. Well, you know, I, I like this one and I like that one. But that one about casting out devils, I don't know about that. And for sure, that one about speaking in new tongues. I'm, I'm marking that out of my Bible. I want you to get a hold of this as we start. Jesus looking us square in the eyes and saying, you better get this. This wasn't thus saith pastor. This is the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, B-L-E. So he says here, they will pray or they will speak with new tongues. Now I'm going to highlight this because when he talks about this, it's, it's divided in, into two categories, basically. The first one is a supernatural speaking of a human language unknown to the speaker. A supernatural language spoken that is unknown to the speaker. So for me, a supernatural language would be any other language except English or Swanics in my life, okay? Okay. That's all I know is those two languages. Some of you said, we've never heard Swanix. Well, it's kind of like Swanese. I'm kidding, all right? That's my last name. I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> A supernatural language. The second one is a heavenly language. Can you show us that biblically? I can. First of all, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And so again... 
we are highlighting the importance of what Jesus said for believers emphatically. Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Who's they? Well, if we were to go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 15, there was 120 of them now. So I'll highlight a little bit. Those 120 were men and women. <laughs> women were there. They were there. And they're in a place called the upper room, and I believe it was part of the temple. And it says, when they were all 120 of them gathered together on the day of Pentecost. Now, when I say the word of Pentecost, man, many of you, are, you're, you're tightening up right now. Pastor's going Pentecostal on us. I, I've had people where I've said, tell me about your background. And they said, well, we were raised Pentecostal. How many of you ever heard that statement? I was raised Pentecostal. Well, I'm, I'm going to help you breathe a little easier today, okay? The word Pentecost in the Greek is the word Pentecostus, which literally means 50. Literally stated, it was seven, day, or seven weeks and one day after the Feast of Passover. It was exactly 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus too. So when you hear the word Pentecost, you don't have to freak out. Oh, crud, they're going Pentecostal. Just means 50. Relax is what I'm trying to tell you. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Not a wind, but like a wind. Something of the mighty, unseen power of God. Something happened here. Let me help you a little bit. This little illustration, I believe, will really bear witness with you. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. Now just hang out for a few more hours here in West Texas. And this afternoon, you're not going to see the wind, but you're sure going to see the effects of the wind. So let me say something to you here. Just because I cannot physically see the wind, do I not? I believe in the wind. You don't believe me? Just go out. If you, if you wear a wig or a hairpiece, you better tie that dude down today. Okay? I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. This is what it's talking about. Just because I may not be able to see the unseen power of the Holy Spirit, I still believe let me help you a little more with that. How many have ever seen Jesus face to face? I've never seen Jesus, but I sure do believe in him. I'm trying to walk us through an element of faith that every one of us needs to live by. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them, all 120 of them, divided tongues of fire, and one set upon each one of them. So when you see the statement there, fire, this was the symbol of his divine presence. The Holy Spirit will show up. Sometimes he, he's very quiet. Sometimes he'll show up. And man, we get loud. So they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Something supernatural happened that they need an explanation. Verse 4. And they, all 120 of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak with utter tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now don't freak out on me just yet, Okay. Got to hang in here because this is where the church really, really needs to be New Testament taught. So I want to highlight something here. They all spake, spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit got them in a headlock and said, you're going to speak in other tongues whether you want to or not. No, something began to stir within their hearts and they had to speak that out. And so what you see here is something that cannot be taught for mankind. How many have ever heard someone say, now when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, just say that after me and you'll get it. Just say after me, shoulda bought a Honda. Now say that real fast. Shoulda bought a Honda, shoulda bought a Honda. You got it? That's not the Holy Spirit. Just say this after me. Yabba dabba do. Say that real fast. 
Guys, that's not the Holy Spirit. Well, if you would just learn to say caramel macchiato real fast. Caramel macchiato, come on. That's not the Holy Spirit, okay? That's been the problem is mankind's gotten its way. And the reason I highlight that, these are some of the things I've seen within believers for 40 years. I've seen some weird stuff. Stuff that isn't the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. I don't want to let the fanaticism on this side keep us from the good on this side. There's a Holy Spirit and he's well and he's alive and he does things decently in order. Verse 5. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. The reason this is this way, this was the Passover season. All the Jews migrated back to Jerusalem. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And remember in Acts 1.11, the Lord Jesus said, Men of Galilee. So I highlight this because in the area around the Sea of Galilee, they spoke in a certain dialect. And this is what they're saying. Wait a minute, these Galileans are speaking. Verse 8. How is that we hear each one in our own language or our own native tongue or our dialect in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya, joining Syrian, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. And you know what? If I misspoke all those, bless you. why I read them fast but I did want to read them because I highlight all the different people that are there and remember what they said we hear them speaking in our own native tongue or our own dialect now these were men that weren't trained in speaking that so just my curious mind I thought where are all these guys from Some of them were modern-day Kurds in northern Iraq. These people were from Iran. They were from Iraq. They were from Syria. They were from modern-day Turkey. They were from Libya, and they were from Egypt. But isn't it interesting? They said, man, we're hearing them speak in our native tongue, these Galileans. And we go to verse 11, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So here's all these different Jews, and they're hearing these Galileans speak. And what are they speaking? The wonderful things are works of God. Now, maybe growing up in your lifetime, you heard this. But those people that pray in other tongues, that's of the devil. But when I see what they were speaking... So is speaking in another tongue the wonderful works of God? Is that wrong? Is that a bad thing? No, it's a Holy Spirit thing. It wasn't a bad thing. So I'm trying to get you to a point where you realize, i got to understand the Holy Spirit. Now this was the first one. Speaking in a, a tongue that the speaker was not trained in or knew what it was. Let, let, let me give you an illustration of this. For uh, well over 20 years of my life, I know a Jewish man that lives in the United States. He, he's, he's very popular among Jews and uh, Americans. He's been involved with Jewish government anyhow. I got to know him years ago. And this man who's a Jew is now born again Christian. But growing up, he was raised in Judaism. He started dating a girl who was not Jewish, and for a Jew to do that, that's a no-no. But she said, if you want to date me, you got to go to church with me. Man, some of you girls get a hold of that, okay? So, uh-uh, got to go to church with me. It's amazing what will motivate a guy in love. So he starts going to church, but he's not going to church because he wants to hear the things of Jesus. He's going to church because he's in love. He goes week after week after week after week. And one Sunday, and he's telling me and Shelly this story. He said, I need to go to the bathroom, and I got real thirsty. 
So he said, I walked out of the, the, the sanctuary and I walked back into a foyer and he said, I'm on my way to the bathroom. And he said, I look and there's this man and he's sitting there speaking in Hebrew. And he said, as I walked by, I looked at him and I thought, man, he must be a Jew. So he said, I go to the bathroom, I come back out and he's sitting in this chair still and he's speaking in Hebrew. And he said, I looked at him and I said, you're a Jew. And the guy said, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile that's born again. And he goes, no, 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 no. You're speaking in Hebrew. And the guy said, I don't know what I'm speaking in, but I'm not speaking in Hebrew. And he said, you were speaking in Hebrew. And he said, listen, I got born again. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And now I believe in praying in other tongues. He said, all I'm doing is out here praying. And you know what he said to him? He said, you're saying the Hebrew prayers that I learned as a young Jewish boy. Now, God's an incredible God. So you know what happens off of that? This Jewish man gets born again. He realizes how significant the things of God are. Not only does he get born again, he begins to start a Bible study. He has 10 Catholic women that are Italian Catholics. They start coming. He's preaching the word to them now. He said within two years, that Bible study went from 10 to 2,400. All these Jewish Catholics, I mean all these Italian Catholics getting born again because of the word of God. Now he said, you know what happened? He said, they always wanted me to bless me. They'd say, bless me, Father. Bless me. So he said, I'd bless them in the name of Jesus. And he said, you know how much they love me? He said, all they would ever bless me with was with meatballs. He said, I got huge. The point is, you see what can happen with this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Now, the second area, as I said, it was a heavenly language. Pay close attention to verse 1, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with tongues of men in a native tongue or dialect, and of angels. The passage says, in heavenly tongues of angels. The Amplified says, and even of angels. So this is what we were talking about here. So if I'm speaking in this heavenly language of angels, is that a bad thing? Well, let's, let's look at the scriptures and just see what the word of God says. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Now let me ask you a question off of that. Would it be a bad thing or a wrong thing for me to speak to God? Ah, that praying in tongues of the devil. Well, if I'm praying in tongues and I'm speaking to God, how could that be a bad thing? Keep reading. For no one understands him in their natural. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. He speaks divine revelations. Would that be a bad thing? No. So what's another reason I would do this? 1 Corinthians 14, 14 verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. The word edify means to build up. It means to improve. It also, the Amplified says, it helps you to spiritually progress. Now let me ask you something spiritually. How many of you in here need to be built up? I'll answer that question, every one of us. How many of us need to, to improve? or per Yes, that's every one of us. So right here he tells us, the person that prays in another tongue, he's building himself up. He's edifying himself. Maybe this illustration will help you. When you go in and you work out, you may start and you may look like a toothpick. But the longer I stay with working out, man, before long you get these pie pie arms. Why? You build yourself up. This is what he's talking about in my spirit. Now, I've told several of you, man, you need to come these next few weeks because I'm going to talk about things that I believe will really, really help you. Let me throw this out here for you. It's good for me to tell you about salvation. 
It's good for you to get born again. It's good for me to tell you about water baptism. And it's good for you to obey that. But I set you up to fail when I don't tell you about the things of the Holy Spirit. This is just something else in the Word of God you got to get. So some, some of you have asked me, Pastor, tell me the secret how you went from this to this. And I'm going to tell you the secret. I got born again. I, I, I got baptized. I started going to church. I went to church Mondays and Wednesdays under a church that preached the Word. I began to serve. I stayed consistent. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Hoop, there it is. Again, it's not some great formula. It's just the word of God. Same chapter, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Better stated this, I'm doing something in the spiritual realm. It's not going to bless me intellectually, but it's going to do something in my spirit. Verse 15, what is the conclusion? And now this is the apostle Paul this, and so he's saying, so here's what I've concluded. Now listen to him. I will pray with the spirit and. I will also pray with my understanding. Now, what the Apostle Paul has done for us right there, he specifically showed us that is two different things. To pray in the Spirit and to pray in my understanding. So you know what he's saying? You're going to pray in tongues and you're going to pray in your understanding. Now, here's a question that this will help you. When you pray in your understanding, who decides when you start and when you stop? I do. I could start praying right here, right now. And if I looked at you and said, I can't, I can't stop it. You would look at me like, you fruit of the loom, dude. You can stop it. Just close your mouth. Why do I highlight? It's the same way in praying in other tongues. I can stop that, okay? Keep looking what he says. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will also sing with my understanding. So my understanding in my life is, is in English. But I pray in the Spirit. So what I see right here with the Apostle Paul, that praying and singing, both in tongues and both in my understanding, were normal and regular parts of his prayer and his praise on a daily basis. And I don't find any weird stuff in there. I don't find any fanaticism. I don't find any hysteria. It's just, this is what I do. Why? Why? Well, the first why was we get edified. Watch the second why in verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, if you bless with, something happens, there's some form of blessing or praise and worship that I release when I pray my Spirit. So if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? So literally, again, we get back to the church. If I did that here in the church, people would freak out. They'd say, I'm not getting nothing out of it. Keep reading. Watch what he says. This is incredible. At your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. So if you look real closely there, another blessing of praying in other tongues is you bless you give thanks or you render thanks well. Something happens when I, when I give my heart like that. Now, I want you to understand this. Praying in the Spirit is a heavenly prayer language. Prove it. Okay, verse 14 again. For if I pray in a tongue, for if I pray in a tongue, Right there, it doesn't get any clearer. Verse 15, he goes on to say, what is the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit. So we go back. This is a heavenly prayer language. Verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So he tells us right here, and praying in other tongues, this is a form of, man, I'm giving thanks. Verse 18. I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. 
What a statement by the Apostle Paul. Now you go, he clarifies that. He said, yet in the church, I don't want to do that. So I go back and I look. So if this guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than y'all, where did he do that at? He did that in his private life. It was a form of self-edification. It was part of his devotional life. Some of the greatest men and women on this earth that I've read books about, man, they prayed in tongues all the time. Where'd they do that? They did that in their private life. It was a form of, of edification for them. Now, to help us a little further along, I got a couple passages. I want you to see this. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Now, as you turn to the Ephesians 6, when you get there, verses 10 through 18, this, this talks about spiritual warfare. Whether you like it or not, you're in a spiritual battle. When you read verses 10 through 18, and I'm not going to read every one of those. Actually, I'm just going to read one of them. But when you read every one of them, they, they specifically talk about your armor, my armor. The helmet of salvation, uh, my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, which is the word of God. Look, look at verse 18. This is in your armor. Praying always with all prayer. Now, if there wasn't more areas of prayer, why did he say praying with all prayer? And there's another and in there. And supplication in the spirit. The specific method by which spiritual warfare is carried on. And so what you see here, it's part of your spiritual arsenal. Huge blessing. So we got the football game today. And old Patrick Mahomes, he goes strolling out on the field. He's got his cleats on. He's got all his pads on. He's got everything he needs except just one piece of equipment. He forgets his helmet. Why do you say that? What happens in our life when we... We put on the spiritual armor. We wear all that, but we exclude this last one. We've left one of the, the elements that God says, you really need this. You really need this. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter, whoa, it sure got quiet in here. My wife tells me when they're quiet, they're just thinking, they're just processing Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, us. Plural. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands, but if the Holy Spirit is to help in our weaknesses, you got some errors in your life right now, you need some help. How many of you feel like, man, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed in life? I, I got kids. I'm overwhelmed with my kids. My, my, my husband, I'm overwhelmed in my marriage. I'm overwhelmed when I get my job. See, the list becomes endless. And, and he says here, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought because life gets where we become so overwhelmed at times, or life gets so complicated, I don't even know what to pray. I'm going to impress all you teachers. When you see the word we there, that's first person plural. Brilliant, Pastor. You know what this means? This is what the Apostle Paul said. There's times in my life, I, I don't even know what to pray. I'm in over my head. I got about a half a nostril out of water. Look, look what he says at the end there, verse 26. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know what he's talking about? He takes part with us in our prayers. He says, just let me pray through you. Let me give you the utterance. And guess what he does? 
He takes our prayers and he makes them effective. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I've been woken up in the middle of the night with issues and I knew the Lord was wanting me to pray. Whether is that for my children, sometimes it's for some of you. And I've said, Lord, I don't know what to pray, but I know who does. And I say, Holy Spirit, I welcome utterance from you. Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He prays in line for us through the will of God. God understands the desires of the Spirit. Now if you really, really want to get a touch of that, Read Romans 8, 26, 27 in the Passion Translation. If you have that, it'll come alive to you. So we see here, it's, it's part of my spiritual warfare. It's part of my arsenal of prayer. It, it helps me in my weaknesses when I don't know what to pray. We'll show you the third one. Go all the way to the back of the New Testament. The last book is Revelation. The book right before that is a little bitty guy called Jude. The reason I say it's a little bitty because it's only one chapter. We're going to read the book of Jude, verse 20. This will help you. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Edifying yourself on your most holy faith. Constantly, progressively building yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. I want to highlight something here. He didn't say praying and stop right there. He specifically says praying in the Holy Spirit. In other words, when I pray in another tongue. I build myself up. I don't know about you again. I need building up my host, my most holy faith. Something happens when I just obey the scriptures. One last passage. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 11. Now, as you're turning to Luke 11, I'm going to answer some of your thoughts for you right now. Pastor, do you pray in other tongues? Absolutely. And some of you will never hear me pray in other tongues because I do it mostly in my own private prayer life. I can stand before you and I can tell you this, probably 90% of my prayer when I'm alone is in other tongues. When I wake up on Sunday mornings, I say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you today. Now I can just tell you this right now. It was one of the greatest things that happened in my own life. And so... I don't try to hide this. I, I welcome this. And you know what? It's Bible. So if I don't teach on the Bible to you, I, I do you no good. And so even, even this week, I'll, I'll drive to Rio Dosa for the marriage retreat. And depending on how fast I go, which I normally don't go over the speed limit until I get out of the city limits. <laughs> and then I work for American Airlines. I have a license to fly. You better get off that subject. But on the way down there, hours plural, I'll pray in other tongues. A lot of times I get where I, I'm not even aware that I'm doing it like I am. And so when I go to Walmart, that's where I pray in tongues a lot at. But when I go to Walmart, I have responsibilities. Number one, my job is to push the cart. Number two, my job is to carry all the groceries to the car. I've got that down. I know my responsibility. The problem at times when I go there, I have a tendency to wonder. I just kind of disappear. About 10 minutes later, I show back up and my wife's not real happy. She's got an armful of groceries, so I realize I can't do that. So I've gotten better at that. So what I do, whatever aisle she's on, I go to the far end. Now, I'm going to help some of you Walmart etiquette, okay? When you're there waiting, 
you get your cart as far over on the right side as you can, okay? The reason you do that is because when you stand in the middle of the aisle, you PO people. That's personally offend them, okay? So you get way over. Well, when I get way over and I wait, this has happened numerous times. I've been at the other end and I'll just be sitting there waiting and I'm not even really aware of how loud I am. And my wife will go, shh, do you realize how loud you are? No. I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit. And so it's become an everyday part of my life. Now, you can think I'm weird. I'm okay with that. But I'm just telling you it was significant. One of the greatest significance in my life is I had a lot of crud in my life. At 18, I had a letter jacket, and I lettered in every form of sin there was. I don't say that with, with pride. And so there were some things in my life that really, really needed to be burned up within me. I believe part of it took place when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to burn up that crud within me. And I welcome that. Now, I'm going to read here in the book of Luke chapter 11. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, this is the passage of scripture that I heard right here. Luke 11 verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now, this is Greek present tense, and it denotes a, a continuous asking, a continuous seeking, and a, keep, a continuous knocking. Now, if you'll note who said that, that was the Lord Jesus. So you know what he's saying? For the rest of your life, learn how to ask, to seek, and to knock. Verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to highlight something here. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those asking? You know what he just told us here? The Holy Spirit's a good thing. So I go back. I'm, I'm 18 or 19 now at this time in my life. I've given my heart to Jesus. My brother is living in the Tulsa area, and so I move up one summer to get away from just life. I, needed, I need a, a fresh move of the Spirit in my life. So I was working in evenings. At Kenneth Hagin's Bible school during this summertime, every day from 10 to noon, they would have Bible classes. Then they would come back from 6 to 8. Anybody was welcome to those. So my brother said, you, you would probably benefit from going to these. And I said, okay. So I went on a Monday morning to a Bible class from 10 to 12. I got in there, and that day I went in there, they had a man speaking who had a sixth grade education. He began to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I was like, the Holy who? And this is, this is my thinking of this the first time I thought about it. I thought, is this kind of like Casper the Friendly Ghost? Some of you don't even know who Casper is, do you? That didn't help. And so he said this. He said, just allow the Word of God to teach you. And he said, there's some of you in here that you need to come all week and just allow the scriptures, allow God to marinate in your life. I thought, well, that's me for sure. So Tuesday comes around, I win. I heard a little more. Wednesday comes around. Friday comes around. He reads this passage right here. And he said, there's some of you, I believe today, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, all you have to do is come down here and ask. Now, when I got in there on Monday, I sat on the far back row. You know why? Because I thought I had the thought, I shouldn't be here. You know why? Church is for perfect people. 
wrong. I thought church is for religious people. I, I viewed myself as an outcast. I thought, man, I shouldn't even be here. But that day when he gave that invitation to come up, I don't know if I was the first one down there, but I was one of the first ones. I knew that was for me. And so I walked down there and he said, if you'll ask, you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit. And that's what took place. That exact prayer. Now listen to me here. In my life, I didn't grow up in church. And sometimes when we grow up in church, we've heard the traditions of men. That's speaking in tongues. That's of the devil. It's not of the devil. It's a good thing. And so in my own life, I didn't have to get unlearned to learn. And I believe there's some of you in here that you've probably been told the majority of your life, man, I'm telling you, that praying in other tongues, that's of the devil. So are you telling me that God would ask us to fill with the Holy Spirit and that's not a good thing? That the apostle Paul talks about praying in other tongues, that's not a God thing? So when I begin to look at this right here, a couple things jump out at me. Number one, if you go back and you look in verse 11 and 12, the things that a child would ask his father for, the first one was bread, the second one was fish, and the third one was an egg. What did every one of those things pertain to? Food. Food to a child is what? It's a necessity. I mean, you got kids, and you find out they eat every day. And the bigger they get, the more they eat. So when I look at this right here and he's talking about food and he uses this analogy, you know what he's saying? That as food is to the physical body, so is the Holy Spirit to the spirit of man. You're not going to make it without this everyday necessity. Now the second thing I saw is if you look at his analogy with the food, he said, you're not going to give him a serpent. And you're not going to give him a scorpion. Now, if I went back one chapter in Luke 10, verse 19, the Lord Jesus said this, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So when he references serpents and scorpions, he was saying those were things associated with the devil and demons. But it's interesting right here. I believe the Lord Jesus knew thousands and thousands of years later that many people would hear the things of the Holy Spirit or praying in other tongues. That's of the devil but not according to him he specifically said oh it's a gift from God it's a man you guys should have shouted it's a gift to God so I can tell you this right now guys it's a treasure in my life it's something that many many nights when I go to bed I say, Father God, I ask you to grace me tomorrow morning to, to, to speak in other tongues. Grace me, grace me to pray in the Spirit unlike any time I have. Why? Because I've seen the edification. I've seen the building up. When I study my Bible, that's what I'll say. I say, Holy Spirit, illuminate me. Open the eyes of my understanding. And I'll just tell you, part of these things that I just shared with, that happened yesterday morning. I'm up on Sunday, Saturday morning, I'm reading, and I thought, oh my gosh, Lord, I've never seen that. I'm just standing on your feet here. And you may be here today and you may say this. Well, preacher man, I'm doing well enough in life without the Holy Spirit. Are you really? So you have no hang-ups. You have no weaknesses. You have no need of edification. If you can really look me in the eye and say that, I'm going to pray for you because you're full of pride. You are a religious soul. Anytime I don't heed what the Lord Jesus says. Prophet Zechariah said this in Zechariah 4 6. He says, It's not by might, it's not by power. It's not by your talents, it's not by your abilities. Oftentimes, when you see the power, it's associated with my money. It's not even that, it's by the Holy Spirit.
So just right now, just, just real reverently, just close your eyes before the Lord and act like no one's even in here except you and God. And I believe when you do this, there becomes a stirring on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit begins to work. He begins to work on our heart. You know why he loves us that much? And remember the first, the first thing the Lord Jesus said is preach the word. We did that. The second thing he said, man, to those who believe you, you gotta be born again. People don't go to heaven because they're good people. People go to heaven because they've made Jesus Lord of their life. You know, I heard a pro footballer quarterback recently saying, I could never serve a God who would send anybody to heaven. I mean, anybody to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose that. He gives us the guidelines. He gives us the boundaries. And we have the choice. Do I, do I obey this? So I remember 40 years ago, answering an altar call for salvation just like that. If you're here today, you're in the right place. You're welcome to sit in this place anywhere you want, okay? We welcome you. You may be here today and you need to give your heart to Jesus. You know that. Some of you have been running from God. Some of you are at the point where I was where you said, I know there's got to be more to life than how I'm living. There he is. And you may be here today and you've tried to run from the things of God. Maybe at one time you were serving him, but right now, man, you are running. You're playing hide and go seek from God. You know, if that's you today, I, I welcome you right there where you're at. Just to boldly get out of that aisle and just walk down here. Just walk down here and say, you know what? I need Jesus today. I need to get born again. I, I need to give my heart back to Jesus. If that's you, I welcome you down here. body of Christ, our Super Bowl is people. You know what I'm going to ask you, a lot of you are going to, a lot of you are going to shout a lot more at the ball game. Some of you are even going to shout over commercials today. Some of you are going to shout over that little pig in the blanket you're going to eat more than this. Come on, let's, let's clap to the Lord here. This is a great day. Yeah. Anybody else want to join them? I welcome you. You know, I'm going to ask you to pray with me, okay? Just ask all of you to pray here, but I'm going to specifically pray. You know, you can look up here. That the devil's the one who tried to beat you up, okay? It's not God. God loves you. Just say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, Lord Jesus. I've sinned. I've made bad choices. Lord, I've done things that you've seen. And I ask you right now to forgive me. Wash me, Lord Jesus. Cleanse me. Come back into my heart and be Lord of my life. I believe on February 2nd, Super Bowl Sunday, I received you, Lord Jesus, as the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, God loves you.
And you may, you may say, man, that's pretty simple. It is. Man, something happens. Just when you do that from your heart. The Bible says you become born again. Well, you become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. I'm going to ask you to bow your head again, and we're going to sing here in just a second. You know, if you're here today and you desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit, some of you may have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you haven't stayed in a relationship with Him. I, I sense this. There's many of you in here that the Holy Spirit wants to refill you and stir something within you. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right here. Father God, we come before you right here. Woo, right now. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you in here to do what the Lord Jesus said you would do. And Lord, as all the different ages come to these altars right now, we thank you for the invitation of Luke 11. Woo, that you said, Father God, that you would give the Holy Spirit to those who would ask. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity to come down here and ask. And I believe personally that if I just obey that scripture and I come down here and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. He's going to fill you. That's number one. Number two in Acts 19. The Apostle Paul would lay hands on them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, if it's either category, you just want to come down here and say, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Or if you want us to lay hands on you, that's Bible, okay? That's Scripture. But I'm going to have them, I'm going to have them sing right now. I, I, I really believe God's wanting to do something in here, okay? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.